0: we are talking all things you and your value. And are you actually bringing that value to the table to treat your patients or clients the way you should be? Stay tuned. I'm Andrea Maxim, and this is the Profitable Practice Podcast made for practitioners who are ready to build a six figure practice with a million dollar impact that also lets you close your laptop and be present with your family anytime you want to. Together, we will challenge the antiquated ways of running a practice. We'll merge our brick and mortar online and build, systemize, and grow as maximized practitioners. Welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, Andrea here. Thank you again so much for tuning in and continuing to download. And let me know how much you are loving these episodes. I so Appreciate it. And I love hearing from you. And I really do hope that you listened to last week's episode. If you are new to the podcast, then enjoy. We are almost at episode 200. Um, But last episode, you know what? Even now, I'm still thinking back on what a phenomenal growth moment that was. And I really want to make sure. That you listen to that. So go back and listen to last week's episode when you can. Make sure that you are getting those auto downloads on your phone. But today I brought on a guest. Every once in a while I have guests on and they have to really be speaking the language that I want you guys to hear. And they also need to be looking at the industry from a new angle. So I don't let just anybody come on the the podcast. A lot of people reach out and a lot of times I say no, but I really liked Scott. He reached out to me over Instagram and we just got to chatting. We had a meeting prior to committing to the podcast and I just love the energy about him and I love where he's coming from. So he is coming on to talk about... The different ways that you need to be breaking out of your practitioner bubble. And I did a really great reel that got the most, probably one of the highest downloads on my um, Instagram already at Andrew Maxim ND on breaking the practitioner bubble and basically just being you. Now, we're not talking about messaging or anything like that today. We're talking more about what are the different ways that you can break out of the antiquated way that your school is training you as a practitioner and start leaning into more modernized ways of running your business. And so we're going to be talking about concierge medicine, which is basically like a membership model. We're going to be talking about why a lot of the times when you are undervaluing yourself, your services, your products, your techniques, your equipment, your patients are actually like wanting, like their their wallets are open, they're ready to pay for their health, because that is where their value lies and how important it is for you to step into that. And then we just kind of have a general conversation. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into this interview. Hey, Scott, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Why don't you take a moment to introduce who you are and what brought you here today?
1: Thank you. Uh, My name is Scott Emmons, and I am uh, the current Co founder and COO of MD Logic Health. Um, what brought me here today, what brought me to this journey was uh, spending 25 years in both the biotech and pharmaceutical industry, and then my personal passion with health and wellness and well being. And so uh, recently I had an opportunity to sell a company that I had co founded, and my partner and I decided that it was time to get into health and wellness, and we created MD Logic Health. And I'm so pleased to be on your podcast today with you.
0: Cool. And we're going to be talking all about value and perceived value. And um, when we were talking earlier, we were talking about a few things which I wanted to kind of like lead right into, which is where this blocker, where this conception that practitioners make with regards to creating value, creating a unique structure to their business, um, uh, the perceived value of investing for patients, for business growth, for scaling. And as you were mentioning, is it basically all starts in the school. It all starts in how they are being indoctrinated. So what are some of the big flaws that you are seeing with new practitioners feeling like, They have to, you know, abide by the rules the way that they were taught and therefore they don't ever open their mind up to expansion.
1: Well, I think it's, it does start with how the system works and it starts with how am I going to open up my practice? And in the U S you know, one of the most important things you need to understand is the CPT and the ISD 10 coding systems. And so, that everything that goes through insurance and Medicare and Medicaid must go through the CPT ICD-10 coding process, and it must be approved by the insurance plan. So that really is the general indoctrination. If it's not on formulary, if it's not part of the plan, if it's not if there's no code for it, um, I don't know how to do it. Or I, you know, I've just been taught this is the only way to do it. And frankly, that that really is the way that everyone sort of perceives the industry is. Um, the patient will come in, I will look at the EHR records, I'll see what insurance they have, I'll do an evaluation, I'll make a diagnosis, I'll use a code, and I'll, you know, utilize whatever prescriptions or therapies might be appropriate, but also which are covered and provided by that insurance plan, and it's got to mirror up with those codes. And that can be, you know, that in itself could take, a, you know, very skillful physicians kind of learn that. And let's face it, doctors go to, to medical school for the most part to heal people. And to to treat people. And so now they're having to memorize coding systems and insurance plans and it's and EHR systems that don't always work so synergistically together. I think that sort of begins this sort of paradigm block that they're kind of stuck into that system that they've been indoctrinated to, Mm -hmm. and they weren't taught that other side. And as you and I had spoken on, on our previous podcast about how much business you know, acumen is taught in med school. There is some, but very limited. And if you're going to skip a class to, to sort of keep up, if you will, that's probably the one you're skip, right? So I think that's where it really starts.
0: And how limiting, even just hearing you describe it, how limiting a practice that already puts a practitioner into where they're like, okay, the you know, I don't have any business acumen. Um, I'm only going to rinse and repeat what I know to be true and okay, because I learned it in school, and I'm afraid to learn a new technique, to invest in a new diagnostic software, to create a new model of healthcare, because I didn't learn it in school, therefore I'm afraid either I'm going to get slapped on the wrist, I'm going to get flagged, or something like that. And I know you've come across some really innovative models of healthcare that are starting to evolve now. And I would love for you to just share, like one of the things we were talking about was the concierge model, which is like, I think a membership style model, which quite frankly is the future of all business. If you look at where all big box businesses are trending. So describe that the concierge model.
1: (sighs) Yeah, so this, this kind of caught me a little bit off guard. The first time I heard about it, I was speaking with one of um, the physicians that uh, we work very closely with. And we were having a discussion about uh, a new application that we're coming out with um, that measures 2,500 different biometric markers for depression and cognitive dysfunction. And her immediate thought was, oh, Scott, that would be great for the concierge medicine. And I I kind of said, well, what is that? Now, I kind of knew about that for the Hollywood folks, people that are very wealthy, well-to-do people might have their own position. But I didn't realize it had kind of come down to like the, the average person on the street. And I said, well, tell me more about that. She, she said, well, there's a couple of companies that have um, this subscription model where you pay between $199 and up to, yeah, so I think it was four or 500 about the top range each month. Depending on what services you would like, she said. So, for example, you might spend three hundred dollars a month, and for that three hundred dollars a month, you get a family of four that gets, you know, uh, ten televisits a, a month, three live visits per month, plus all prescriptions written, all tests written, and you don't have to come to the office to do that. So it's sort of like having a physician on call for all your sort of basic needs, and, and specifically for like things like you go on vacation. Well, how do you get a hold of your doctor? You can't get into an appointment. So now you've got this sort of you know, kind of cushion of, well, if something happens while we're away on vacation, we've got our doctor on telehealth, we know we've got visits, we know we get prescriptions. And that has really been exploding. And so I watched a couple of the promotional videos. And as I was watching that, I thought, boy, I think I might like to have (laughs) that service. Right. And I haven't signed up for it yet. You know, let's say $199 a month for a family of four, depending on the services, I might really consider that. And I think, you know, if you just rewind the clock uh, a couple of years ago, maybe like just a year ago, that would have sort of been uh, almost unheard of. A physician would be, who's going to do that? Even I would right. say, who's going to do that? Now I'm thinking, I think a lot of people are doing that. And the model is growing quickly here in the US, um, and it's become very successful.
0: And there's a few key reasons why I think that is such a beautiful model. And it's again, so outside of the grain, something we would never have even been talked about in school. And I know uh, um, for the Canadians that are listening, this isn't something that we can necessarily implement across all provinces, but I'm glad to hear that it's at least becoming very popular in the States. Um, shoot. I lost my train of thought. Uh, Oh, no, I completely lost it. Where was I going with that?
1: You were, you were I think, <laughs> just making the point that in Canada, it's, this particular thing isn't available, but you might be able to utilize a different methodology or you might be able to do something in that similar vein of a subscription service to provide information, education to patients or something along that line.
0: Right. So I'll take it from a different place. I completely lost it. But anyways, that happens. (laughs) We're live. I'm not re-recording this. This is just how it's going to go. But the concierge model is such a beautiful model because, and I think this is where I wanted to go, is that it starts to eliminate the ebbs and flows. And that is one of the biggest issues that practitioners suffer from is they never know when that next flow is going to happen. They're always afraid they're going to be in an ebb. And when we start creating residual income Ongoing income through a membership model type healthcare system, that is a beautiful way to then know okay, my cash flow is going to be steady every single month because I have so many people on this rotating door. Now, you could do the same thing without necessarily having it on as a concierge model, but you could do this with a program. You could do this with just like booking your patients in every single month or every four weeks and just starting to inherently do that, which any province, any state I think can do. We just, again, get in our own way and we're like, oh, but I don't think someone would want to have an ongoing appointment. So the other key thing that you brought up though, is that diagnostic machine that measures the 20 different health markers or 28 different health markers Here's another beautiful way for you to stand out, be unique, offer something that um, patients can't do on their own. And that's what I'm always looking for with my business is what is something I can offer them that they can't learn online or download for free or self-assess? What are some unique things that we can start to offer? And yet, one, it's not taught in school. So practitioners tend to be again closed off for it. Two, um, they're afraid of making the investment. So let's talk about that because I know you've had some experiences with practitioners in investing in these type of diagnostic tools.
1: Yes, definitely. I, I think um, positions have been burned a few times in, in fairness. And, and then there's also that learning curve. So sometimes it's not that they're, that they're being burned. It's sort of maybe they think it might be a little easier than it is. And that learning curve might be more challenging than it is. So there are some real uh, life, real world things you've got to overcome, but you got to, you need to move kind of past that. So I've, I speak to many physicians about how you get that reoccurring revenue. I want to just take a step back to that for just a moment and then sure. go, go forward, because I think that is a, um, a fundamental sort of stressor on physicians mm-hmm. from my perspective, you know, having spoken to them and, and tried to try to engage and interact with them. Um, I can see that sometimes they're, they want to be engaged. They want to be taking that next discussion point with me, but they're also, they, they hear the patient in the background and they're getting, they're getting a little anxious. And and so I fully appreciate that because that's what they want to do is take care of the patients. But when they have this sort of safety net of a reoccurring revenue that they can count on, they can give themselves a little bit more space to have the best possible, uh, I'd say work-life balance for themselves, but also the best possible attentiveness to the patients and really be engaged with them and that's helpful for their their practice. I, I think that's my perspective. The physicians that have that model seem to be able to spend a little more time with the patients and they're a little more relaxed. And I think that that comes across. And so um, that's one point I just want to make that that reoccurring revenue is a benefit, not just to the physician in a profit standpoint, but in benefit to the patients and the, the physician's ability to really relax and be there. And then also when they're not in the office to not worry about it and go have a good time and and really get that R and R in terms of, you know, offering these unique services. So the the biometric uh, feedback is a great example that that we're offering. And I was speaking with a physician about, you know, this was early on when we were very first offering it and we kind of under, even I underbid sort of the price point of this application and I had was discussing and they were very interested in the application because you can get day-to-day, you know, data on depression, cognitive, decline and, and stress, you can do it once a day or once a month, but the point is it allows the doctor and the patient to have a, a very updated, you know, state of mental health of that patient. So if I'm trying to titrate a medication up or down, especially, you know, uh, psychiatric medications, they give you very delicate and very narrow therapeutic index. Well, this will help kind of speed you to that point of care, which could save the patient money and you money and time and, and stress and a- anxiety. So to me, that was like $6.99 a month seemed reasonable. No. He, he thought, well, I don't think my patients will pay uh, six nine six dollars 99 right. for that. Well, only to come to find out that we, we were then able to get patients to not, to see the value in it through kind of advertising it with another larger healthcare organization. And we were getting $19.99 a month. And then we realized we added a couple of features and people were saying, yeah, I would pay $10 for those other features. So we added those features. Mm-hmm. So now we're at $29.99. And I was like, wow, uh, I really underestimated." it. And then I find um, an application called Newcom, which is not mine. It's a great application. It's a meditation application. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's somewhere either, like, I think it might be $69 a month, but if you buy it like for the year, maybe it's like sure. $30 a month. But it's a meditation app. It's a great meditation app, but that's a that's what patients really to pay just for a meditation app. Right. This is a medical grade application that, that actually helps you screen real issues and, and real things that are going on with patients. So I, I think even I undervalue it. But it just goes to show you that if you deliver a product that's unique and provides value to the patient and the doctor, the people that need it and can afford it will. And there's always ways, you know, I, I know when my company and most other companies, if someone can't afford it, but they really need it, we'll make those exceptions. And, and I think, you know, that's what physicians also need to hear from people like myself that, hey, if you've got patients that can't afford it, we'll, we'll give those patients this if they need that.
0: Right. So this brings up a really important conversation about making really, um, harmful assumptions again, based off of an emotional response. So that practitioner that said, no, I don't think my patients will do this went off of no data, had no prior experience to show that that was true. Um, didn't even like Oftentimes before I make an investment, I will email my, my list or my patients and say, Hey, I'm thinking about bringing this in who would be interested. Let me know. But it's so sad. I find when practitioners just, again, they're like, Nope, I don't think my patients are going to like it most likely because they're either not bought into the idea. They don't want to learn it. Or they're just, again, making decisions based off of emotion without having any truth. And it's this type of um, habit that I think really gets practitioners into this, um, sticky place where they're constantly just trying to like squeeze every last drop out of this one little thing that they have been doing their whole career. And, and when that drop runs dry, then that's when the panic really starts to happen. Instead of being like, Hey, I wonder, let me just ask people, Hey, would this be of interest to you? And so how often are you seeing practitioners that you're talking with and and interacting with, even the ones that you've interviewed on your podcast, and certainly plug your podcast name, and we'll put the link in the show notes, where these assumptions are really limiting their potential growth?
1: How often do I see that? I I would say it's probably close to 70% of the time, maybe a little higher than that. Um, it's, pre- it's pretty high. And I, and I think where it comes from is think about what we think about the whole system. The insurance company don't want you to spend the least use generic first, right? The patients don't want to spend a big copay. Mm-hmm. uh when they go to the pharmacy and they're they have a big copay they don't yell at the pharmacist they well they might yell at the pharmacist but they go back and they yell at the doctor <laughs> mm-hmm. or they call the office and they're like i can't afford this do you know how much this medicine so they constantly are kind of hearing this price pressure from the insurance companies from the patients mm-hmm. and i think that mentality kind of sticks around i think um what where they're not seeing is is that i think that's a different kind of thing it's like Patients look at uh, prescriptions and, and copays as sort of like, well, I shouldn't have to pay high copay. So when they do, they're shut. But if you're giving them something totally unique, completely different than sort of outside the paradigms, outside the insurance world, right? It's not, this is a cash offer or this is an additional right. thing I offer to my patients that, that's very unique. Suddenly that value point changes completely. The whole, whole mindset changes. You know, uh, it's interesting, like there, there are certain things that, uh, that, that you notice you're paying a lot for like, like heat or gas, for example, and they, you know, my my power bill for example, right? It's really not that much money per month to get gas and electric and water. When I think about it, like right into my home, but my, you know, my wife sees that bill and when it comes in, the first thing she says is who's been using the heater, the heater, yeah. right? Or, turn
0: off, all, turn off all the lights.
1: <laughs> right. Meanwhile, my cell phone bill is more than my heating bill. I'm yeah. paying $400 a month for cell phones for the family. Right. Mm-hmm. But but you kind of just come to think that that cell phone is invaluable. You have to have it. And I guess four bucks a month, that's what we're paying. So I think value is a relative thing based on your, your paradigm. So I think that that's part of why physicians get kind of mired up in that and, and why patients do too. So, I think you have to just take a step back and say, what is it that I'm offering? I think the other thing I see often and more often on the supplement side of our business, which is MDLogic Health, where we offer um, physician-grade, FDA, GMP-certified USA facilities where we manufacture our products. um, And physicians will say things like, well, I don't want to feel like a salesperson. I don't want to sell something. Mm -hmm. And so I totally recognize that. I don't want a physician to be a salesperson either. That's not their role. But when we go through it, I said, "Well, do you recommend nutritional supplements?" Most of the time, they'll say, "Well, yes, I do." And I say, "Okay, well, what, when, and why do you do that?" Well, let's say a patient on a statin. I would you like them to be on CoQ10? Okay. Would you prefer that they go to some random place and get a random brand with unknown safety and quality, or would like you prefer Amazon. that they get something right <laughs> yeah. Amazon? Would you prefer they get something from you that you know is going to give them what they need that's in a GMP facility that that your patients are going to get the top quality? Which one of those would you prefer? And when you have that conversation, I think the light goes and they're like, you know what, I can have that conversation. That's not I don't feel like I'm selling them there. I'm just saying, hey, this is the brand I recommend. You're free to get any brand you would like, but that's this it. is the brand I recommend.
0: Yeah. And and that's the reframe that I'm really hoping people that are listening that are are resonating with this conversation are starting to recognize is you aren't selling, you aren't um, forcing anyone's hand, but it is your job to show them all of the choices because that's how they make an educated choice. And it is your job to serve them with the best quality and safe products. Because we all know, just like you said, they will find these products. You write it down on the list, they will find it and they will find the wrong ones. They will find the cheapest ones. And then they're going to think that you're not doing a good job because they don't feel better. Well, and- take,
1: take, it a, take it a step further. Uh, they're going to go get some supplements and you're not even going to know what they're on. Yes. Because well, a lot of patients are ordering a lot of things from Amazon. They, they're getting fish oil. Suddenly the doctor's like, what's going on with your cholesterol because they're not getting good fish oil and maybe they don't need that who knows right where they're taking a folate and they're taking too much and they're that's not reacting well with them Or they're taking a a st john's wort which could have a major interaction with some of the other medications that they're taking so you want to be engaged in their supplements because it's a 40 billion dollar industry
0: for a reason
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. more now than ever i think patients are seeking out top quality brands they're very You'd be amazed at how educated the, the consumers are these days. I'll get phone calls. of, like, Well, where was that ingredient sourced from? And I'm like, oh, well, it was sourced from, from France. Well, where in France? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. let, me get the, let me get the certificate of authorization. I don't know the province or, or really mm-hmm. the exact location, but they really want to see that they're clean, that they're tested, that they're verified. And I, I think that's a great thing for the industry, frankly, but um, they are really well educated and they are going out there and they're doing a lot of things or getting a lot of supplements. And I think we've got to we've got to recognize that piece of it, because that is, is a part that like, you want to have at least eyes on. It's nothing else.
0: And that actually brings up something I happened to just hear yesterday. And it was about marketing and messaging and how there's this belief that it, the industry is saturated. And that it's not that the industry is saturated, it's just that they're getting a lot more woke, like they're just getting a lot more complex, they're getting a lot more knowledgeable. And so coming full circle, this is why it is so imperative that you get out of the status quo, you get out of the generic and start to offer some really unique things, unique services, unique products, unique models of care unique supplement offers that they haven't heard of before. Um, Sophisticated was the word I was looking for. They're just a lot more sophisticated, the audience is. So if you can offer them something that's cool, something that they, as I said, can't get from anywhere else, then you will win. And inherently, your business starts to stand out. And inherently, you start to make more Um, consistent revenue, because you could make a concierge model out of supplements, quite frankly, you could make a concierge model out of the scans that you were describing with that um, machine that you were describing. I apologize, I didn't pick up on the name. But these are really fantastic things that can easily be implemented that don't go against the regulatory boards, but allow the practitioner to, again, step up in a different way Stop making the assumptions that your patients can't or won't buy and present all the the options. Do you have anything else, any other personal experiences where you've seen this inherent, like they can't afford it assumption or where practitioners are really missing out on some um, key value that they can be offering?
1: (sighs) Uh, yeah, I think another one, and it goes back to, I think a little bit of that fear factor, like getting slapped on the hand or, you know, I don't know if I, I, don't know this, um, something that's very becoming very popular in the United States is called remote patient monitoring. Are you familiar with that?
0: No, not at least, but with that language, with that, those words.
1: So, uh, before COVID there was remote patient monitoring and it was starting to become more uh, commonplace. And what that is, is, um, there was, you know, a lot of, uh, disease states, like uh, cardiovascular disease states, like hypertension, for example, uh, metabolic disease, such as diabetes, obesity, that are these sort of chronic things that you want to measure. And Medicare recognized that there was a value in keeping a closer watch on things like weight, uh, things like um, your glucose and your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And so they gave sort of a this nominal payment system to physicians that were willing to provide patients with devices at home and measure those, those measurements on a computer system so that they would kind of get like a portal where they could see their patient population. And that way the patient didn't have to come in every two weeks to get their blood pressure, you know, drive an hour in and an hour back. Right. So they just saw a lot of, uh, wasted time, space, energy, and money in that system. So that so they had this program. Well, when COVID came around, and right before that, really, but it accelerated after that. Uh, what's called CMS in the states said, you know what, we want to give more money towards that program because doctors just weren't adopting it. Frankly, it might not have been worth the time and energy. Well, when that happened, a number of new companies said, well, if, if there's going to be money to be made here for the physicians, we can create real software and really give them top-notch devices. So that's another uh, piece of our business as well, and I see physicians hesitant to do that because they they feel like they're going to have I think a lot of eyeballs on them from from the the state, right? But it's revenue that is legit. It's revenue that CMS wants them to have if they're doing the work, because if they can get to keep the patient from going to the hospital, that's saving them sure. forty five thousand dollars. You catch the patient having a hypertensive episode or hyperglycemic or hypoglycemic episode beforehand and before they get to the ER, that is a massive savings. Also, it's a major uh, intervention in the the health of the patient. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's great for the patient. It's great for the doctor. It's passive, it's passive observation. You don't have to be on call with remote patient monitoring. You're just really um, uh, uh, getting a a readout each Mm -hmm. day or each, you know, each couple of days. And there's these sort of, uh, red red bars like if you're above you get a, an alert so it's really a very simple way to give your patients the peace of mind to make sure that you're monitoring them especially medicare patients who are 65 and older and especially if they have multiple comorbidities it's a great way to make revenue but also more importantly a great way to give the best care to your patients and i think that's like sort of a no-brainer one that i, I i'm puzzled when physicians just resist completely. (laughs) And I will
0: say in Canada, at least in Ontario, I can't speak to all provinces, but I found in Ontario, our conventional system with regards to family medicine care, just completely abandoned everybody. And this was where I think naturopathic medicine is shining and can shine. And that's all our patients want is to know that they have a doctor in their corner who cares who is there for them when they need it, but not overextending that boundary. And everything we're talking about today is not passive revenue. You're still actively engaged. You're still actively doing the work. It's not that you're just making money and then like lounging on your couch. Um, But you do just need to, especially in today's day and age, you need to break out of this box that you have put yourself into because school dictated it and find these really cool unique novel very much legit ways to stand apart and quite frankly just provide your your patients or clients with better healthcare. So Scott, I am just so thankful that you came on and we had this conversation very openly. Please let everybody know what your podcast is and what it's all about and if they want to reach out to you what are some of the best ways?
1: Great. Thank you so much. Uh, so my podcast is called Health Noise, and the, the title is that we're trying to cut through the noise of, of healthcare. So little little plan words. We, we also have a website called Health Noise as well, where we'll be debuting the podcast around May, I'm hoping May 10th. Uh, we've got about five recorded so far, hoping to get 10 completed before we launch. So um And you can also find us at uh, www.mdlogichealth.com. That's our supplement line. That's both for physicians that would like to uh, speak with us and or just patients who want to see our products. Um, And that's really the best two ways to to look up my company. You can reach me uh, directly at my Instagram at longevityprotocol. That's longevityprotocol. And I'll I'll shoot you those for the show. Of course, yep. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott.
1: Andrea, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I I really enjoyed myself. I hope to see you again soon. Take care.
0: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you took some gold nuggets away from that. I hope it was insightful. And if you want to um, get a little bit more resources from me, learn a little bit more, please go to maximizedbusiness.ca right at the very top. There are two powerful places you can go. One is to watch my um, free video training on how you can merge your practice online. Even if you are already virtual, I promise you, you will learn something from that. And it is just an hour, so definitely go register for that and watch it all the way through. And then, of course, the Maximized Practitioner Method Handbook, which is available for you to download, and it walks you through a lot of the success blockers that you have a lot of the things that you could easily be implementing, and then finally, if there's any way that I can support you, book a call with me. I've I've had so many amazing practitioners reach out, and I love the conversations that I have when I talk to you guys, because almost instantly, based on your energy, I know you are like gung-ho, ready to make this happen. You are like taking that leap and letting the net appear, and I love practitioners who are willing to do the scary stuff, hold the fear with them, and still take those leaps. And uh, it's just so cool connecting with you guys one-on-one in the virtual space. So do not hesitate to book that call and reach out, but check out those other resources. And of course, if you get a moment to please leave a review on iTunes or I think basically any of the places where you're listening to this, and then reach out to me over DM and let me know how you're doing, what topics you want to hear or maybe you would like to be a guest on the show and you have some really cool things to share. I love having you guys on and I love highlighting you too. All right, I will talk to you next week. I'm Andrea Maxim and I'm out. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Leave a review and drop me a message on Instagram at AndreaMaximND as I love hearing from you. Just so you know, we also host the video version of most of our episodes on MaximizedBusiness.ca. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.